Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. I am one of your hosts, Cliff Schechter, along with my co-host, John Aravosis. Hey, John. Hey, guys. That's all you got for them? I'm trying to keep it short. Okay, fair enough. Um, we have somebody who who uh, will have a lot more to say here today. Actually, great great guest, good friend, longtime friend, and brilliant. Uh, probably knows more about the energy markets, which you may have heard of that place called Texas, which we're going to get to. Um, uh, knows more about energy than anybody else I know. Um, we're lucky enough to have with us Dan Dicker. Dan has been an energy analyst at CNBC. He has written a column for thestreet.com. He joined the floor of the New York Mercantile Exchange probably 30-plus years ago <clears throat> as uh, a uh, – what's the best way to put it, Dan? Trader. Just, well, as yeah. A, as, a, to think as a money of, guy, yeah. You were a trader. Money. I was just trying to think of the term like registered whatever. But point is traded energy futures, crude oil, natural gas, all, all that stuff that liberals love. Um actually keeps your lights on and stuff. We'll get to and all I that. consider myself a liberal, Cliff. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think we're going to get Not to on this show. I think we're going to get to the, the balance of being liberal and also believing that having lights on is a good thing and you can actually be for both. Yep. Uh, Dan also has written three, before we're done introducing you, because Dan's done a lot of things, he's written three books uh, on, on energy production. Um, and uh, they've all been, frankly, pretty damn good. Um, his his most recent one is turning energy turning oil excuse me green. Um, how do we do that? Well, we have Dan Dicker here to to tell us. Thanks for being here, Dan. A pleasure. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> so I was going to walk us through uh, at least a couple of the issues we want to talk about. Although Cliff telling me about Dan, I think Dan is probably like us, where issues can go anywhere with the discussion. <laughs> Because he's not shy, which which we aren't either. Um, but at least what Cliff and I were sort of thinking of the framework was uh, maybe starting with a topic that a lot of you may not be familiar with, but it's been in the news a lot the last couple of weeks. Uh, Elon Musk has raised it for motor Ford Motor Company's raised it, but the issue of batteries for electric vehicles and whether we're going to have enough in the coming years. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Then our big topic will be climate change getting into the Green New Deal, nuclear, natural gas, oil, fracking, you name it. And then if we've still got time at the end, have a little bit of a chat about what went wrong in Texas. Um, I do want to read a quick paragraph first from an essay. And of course, Dan, I'm going to now lose the essay. Was it an essay or a book? Turning Oil Green. This is from your book, isn't it? It's from the preface, I believe. Ah, it's from it's from the preface of Dan's book. A, a little bit about his political leanings, because I think it's interesting. Uh, because let's face it, when Cliff first told me about Dan, I thought, oh, he's an energy guy. Of course, he's going to lean right. You know, um, let me read this to you. I believe my liberal political leanings are somewhat rare among experts in the energy area. And therefore, I had some unique insights that most others did not see or were less able to tell. Most energy folks I've met are conservative and view the left as anti-business and devoutly opposed to any and all fossil fuels. Similarly, I have met few in the green community who view the motivations in the energy world beyond a blanket belief that everyone in it is evil and on the hunt for profits with little regard for anything else. No, that's fair, though. No, um, I, I, I'm laughing because yeah, it's yeah, true, I think. Yeah. Oh. I, on the other hand, think that I have come to appreciate the truths and the hyperbolic falsehoods of both sides. So I think that's a good start. I um, Actually, tell talk a little bit just that about sort of your philosophy or your politics, Dan, and then let's segue that into a first discussion on the electric vehicle batteries and then climate 
Well, I, I think I'm I'm a part of the you know the the very uh, kind of traditional liberal Jewish New York kind of tradition. Um, I just happened to land in the finance community. I'm talking about you know the, the modern Trump Trump uh, Jews. Uh, I'm talking about the old school guys. I'm sort of with, with those guys. Yeah, and and uh, you know that <laughs> yeah. that that political leaning is not anything I've I've ever been anything but loyal to. Yeah. Despite the fact that I've been involved in a very, um, uh, I guess, the most iconic of, of capitalist systems in the world, that is the trading floor of, of the future exchanges. So yeah. I reconcile that has been a big part of my career and, and a big part of my life and, and uh, you know, what I've committed myself to for the past 30 some odd years. What you know? Let's, if we can, let's just jump into that first topic. I, as I said in the news the last few weeks, uh, and you guys can Google, you'll see. But there's been a lot of discussion about electric vehicles, EV, I guess they call it, and the batteries, and whether we're going to have enough batteries in the coming years. If in fact electric vehicles take off, um, there are a number of car companies now, American car companies that are also uh, traditional companies getting involved. You've got Chinese companies. Um, I've sort of been learning all of this the last few days. You know, Neo. Um, I don't know if Gafang or something like that is one of them. And the concern, I, can, I guess... I'd say, I want to add to this, John. I even yeah. have some good friends uh, who started a, a company. They raised funds for it to put uh, charging stations around, starting in the Cincinnati area. And I think it'll broadly be the oh, Midwest. That's, and they want that's to... an issue, too. Exactly right. So, right. You've got the issue of charging them and will there be chargers, but also, Cliff, there's the underlying concern about the battery in the car and whether – will we have enough lithium? Will we have enough nickel? I mean, Dan, what's – how serious of a concern is this uh, – and include what Cliff was raising about even just being able to charge the batteries, but also the battery's existence. Will we have enough batteries for the electric car surge? This, this is a tremendous uh, stumbling block for electric cars that's been highly overlooked because it is a commodity problem. And the, the start of the commodity problem is that uh, many of these um, rare earth metals and other um, uh, uh, rare type of commodities have been mostly coming from China. So it becomes a political problem as well as a commodity problem dependent upon your relationship with the Chinese. Right. So there is, uh, you know, first of all, there's the the, um, the the idea, number one, is there enough of these rare earth metals in the world to manufacture the, the scale to the scale that we need in order to electrify cars? Right. And is if there isn't, is it therefore really a viable alternative to gasoline cars? Or are there other options out there that have been so far mostly ignored? but may have more viability in the future because right. there isn't a limitation on these materials. You should also know that these rare earths very much play to other green technologies. For example, wind turbines use an hmm. enormous amount of these rare earth materials. Really? For, um, for what? It's part of their their of the electromagnets, the huge electromagnets huh. that they need to to uh, to generate the kind of elect electrical power that they do. Right. So and and again, and when we're talking about the scale that we're looking to generate um, electricity uh, with, you know, some of the some of the the, the numbers in terms of rare earths that's out there and the numbers that are going to be needed, you know, just become strangely uh, they they really get to insane kind of uh, numbers. Right. And you start looking at some of these technologies. Is saying, well, is this really the pathway on which we're going to get to a sustainable um, energy 
uh, you know, future. And, well, you know what and I, I have, what, you know, I think there are yeah. other technologies out there that are, that are going to compete, you know, in the near future because, for example, hydrogen has been. Not, I was reading that, been, like a, some solid state hydrogen battery they're talking about or something or. Yeah. And hydrogen, hydrogen doesn't take any of these rare earths, you know, necessary to, to generate water. It's, trans, water. <laughs> it's, it's transportable. And the problem with hydrogen for the most part and uh, most of. Most of the green guys will just blanch when they hear this is that 95% of it, at least right now, is generated using natural gas. So, again, you get oh. back to the fossil fuels. <laughs> right, and right, even though it's, right. it's emission neutral, it's absolutely without emissions of any kind, the generation of the hydrogen starts with natural gas. And again, you get back to something I'm sure we'll talk about later, which is really how natural gas becomes this very important, critical kind of transition uh, fuel that we're going to have to get to at some you, point. You know, I was also reading along those lines that there's a lot of environmental opposition to uh, uh, digging for these chemicals, like lithium, nickel, whichever, because it's in, people it's, get... incre it's incredibly yeah. dirty. It's it's as dirty as oil sands are, and uh, in Canada, yeah. and uh, you know it's filthy. It's it's the kind. It's well, it mining. Pollutes, it pollutes it, the water, right? And and the native. Oh. There's been an issue with native lands. So again, you've got almost are, the same issues as the oil. Of, these are the kinds of subsidiary issues that are absolutely ignored from the left and yeah. the environmentalists. And it's just not practical to ignore these because they are part of, they are part of the issue, yeah. especially when you start talking about the scale at yeah. which, you know, batteries need to uh, attain, you know, uh, purchase, you know, in the energy portfolio. But it's, but it's fascinating. And again, I didn't even know this until I read it yesterday that you are going to have serious environmental concerns about trying to move to green energy, which is amazing. You know, it's just anyway. Well, it's yeah. not amazing to those of us in the energy world you know, following right. this for a long, long time. It's just that it has been ignored. You know, it's very convenient for, you know, the left yep. and the green community to ignore some of the environmental yep. issues that come with some of these green energy technologies. Now, now Dan, I'm going to make a quick recommendation. If there's by chance anything else on your computer open, uh, Facebook, any other pages, if you can shut them because your connection is just good enough, but it's breaking up a little bit. I've had a problem with this thing, and I don't understand why, but that's the, that's the only thing I got running right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's no – as long as you – like, you don't have your chat open, you don't have uh, Twitter, any other web pages, just close them all just to be safe other than this page. Uh, the only thing I'd say is also if your, phone, if your phone is on your home uh, Wi-Fi, take it off. No, I, again, that's okay. another thing. That, and I've had problems, and I've called them about this. Yeah. You know, we can okay. hear you. It's just here and We can hear you just well enough. You're, just, you're breaking up a little, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've had this issue with, with, this, with this thing, and I've, I paid good money for it, and I don't understand why. It's, it's, the, so it's the energy polluters trying to stop you. Um, okay, well, get back to the get back to the. It's we a Chinese environment. virus, I think, is what it is. <laughs> it's a Chinese virus. <laughs> so we're getting – we're talking about the environmental concerns, the abundance. So will we – Will we have enough minerals to ramp up electric cars like we want to? Do we lose, Dan? You're, yeah, you're asking me. Again, it's, oh, the, yeah. it's the same question, you know, that we've talked about. Will we have? Um, uh, likely we will have. Uh, will it come out of the ground at the speed that we need in order to, you know, do the kinds of scale-up um, uh, production of, of batteries and um, turbines that we need? Uh, I doubt it, but you know you'll get a different opinion depending on who you talk to. Right. Well, or it's or my guess is you're going to see even more come from Chile, Argentina, Brazil, China than the U.S. and Canada. If in fact you've got all these environmental arguments, we're just going to shift it to countries that don't care 
and whether does that increase or decrease prices if they're if it's if it's drilled in those countries instead of mined instead of here? Well, the truth is that we're the in the world. You know, in many ways, like this shale oil in only a couple of places, very specific places in the world. Right. And the truth is that most of it's in China and the United States. Right. And so there really are very few choices on where you go for, for some of these. But is uh, it cheaper when we go abroad for drilling, for mining this stuff and importing it, or is it is it more expensive? It usually, you know, the markets are very good about uh, making, you know, making prices on commodities. And it doesn't really matter where you go to get the stuff. The questions oh, become political. I mean, can you can you get it out of there? Are they willing to sell it to you? What kind of a what kind of a premium are they looking to get? And uh, you know that that can and be are they st- are, are we guaranteed? Are we guaranteed of real quick question, Cliff? Real quick, but are we guaranteed yeah. of no disruptions if it's coming from China? Exactly. Well, I was about to is, actually jump oh, right now. Exactly. Can I be conspiratorial for a second? Do you think that's that? You, if these guys want to yeah. prevent us from moving forward on electric cars and some of these other uh, clean energy. Um, uh, you know, options. Do you think that that might be some of uh, the reasoning behind the right wing demonization of China? I mean, I'm sure there's other. Well, you know, there's other things going on too. But, hey, you but, know, but with them, of, there's usually of, more than one reason. They like to they like to kill many birds with one stone. I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of the you know of, of the the one issue that Trump had right, even though he went against it wrong, was the demonization of China. Kind of there with them, and there has been a motion in recent weeks of the Chinese actually cutting off a supply of rare earth materials, or at least threatening to cut off supply of rare earth materials, which is why a lot of, you know, I follow the stocks too. So a lot of the stocks for rare earth miners in the United States just went berserkly higher uh, because, the, you know, it's the last, it's the last refuge. Uh, so you have to tell us what those stocks are at some point so we can all get wealthy. Well, well, you know, I can tell you one of the big <laughs> ones is NP materials, but you know, it's like, a, it's, it's, you know, it's been a it's been a chase. You know, it's not like something you bought now. It's something you should have bought like three weeks ago. When I was, when it was <laughs> like it's a lifetime ago, three weeks. I know. <laughs> In these markets, it kind of is. You know, uh, these days, right now, I know. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I want to sort of. Well, John, did you have something you wanted to no, jump no, no, to? Just on that, if, if there's nothing else. Well, more well on he the brought electric- up natural gas. I'm kind of interested yeah. in getting to sort of because I think this goes to the thesis of your book to a certain degree, which is. You know how we turn oil green. In other words, how can we best get to that the those close to 100% renewables, whatever the percent is that we can get to? But what? How do we get there? I've talked to other energy analysts who say, you know, who agree with you. I have a good friend who's liberal leaning, and also in this interest in energy. Um, maybe another unicorn like you. Dan. Um, and his whole point was you can't just ban natural gas. You can't just ban fracking 100% because people then will go back to using coal and dirtier, uh, uh, you know, forms of energy. Um, uh, and what it'll end up, we, you know, it's, it's the bridge, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Is that an accurate way? Tell us what you're saying in your book, I suppose, is probably incorporate this. Well, the history of the history of energy is very much like the history of the human race, and in, in that you know you have sort of an evolution. You know, you don't spring, you know, from the ground as uh, you know the uh, the modern man. You you go through a stages of of uh, transition. You know, from ape to Homo erectus. I mean, I, you know, you can't really. So it's go like two thousand one. Yeah, there's evolution, and what 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 I what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, when you're when you're trying to create an energy portfolio, a global energy portfolio, what you don't do is you don't displace you know previous energy sources. What you do is you build on top of them, 
and slowly they, they tend to disappear. So wood gets built on top of with coal, coal on top of with oil, oil on top of with natural gas. And then hopefully you get on top of that the renewables of solar and wind and, and what have you. But what you will find is that if you trace the amount of energy that goes into the global portfolio over time, that none of these technologies disappear completely. What they do is they help to build towards transitions and then they slowly get faded out. And wood, you know, you'd be surprised is still part of the global energy portfolio of about three or four percent, which is not insignificant, you know, if you think about right. it. And, uh, and and therefore, the idea that is mostly the attitude of many on the on the on the left and and in the green side is that you want to bankrupt energy, you want to bankrupt oil, you want to bankrupt natural gas, you want to replace them on replace it completely. Um, with with uh, sustainable energy, with renewable or or non-emission or zero emission uh, technologies, and uh, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, that's really the bottom line. It just doesn't work that way. So, do you think we can get to the point? In other words, w- w- you know, realizing that climate change is a is a threat, a, a, you know, a potentially existential threat. Can we do that evolution, move away from the dirtiest uh, uh, of these energy um, products or, you know, sources um, into more natural gas, but then even from natural gas to renewables, can we do that at a timetable that holds emissions down enough that, you know, we're we're not uh, hotter than Hades here? Well, not only not only can we do it, but we have to do it. I'm, I'm saying that there's no other pathway. Uh, you, you just you cannot displace these this amount of infrastructure and energy production and the amount that goes into, uh, you know, the world portfolio um, quickly enough. You must transition using natural gas. There's no other way to get to the targets that you need to get to. Natural gas instantly gets you a 50 percent cleaner profile than oil. Ask. OK, yep. and oil is oil is a 25 percent cleaner profile than coal. So, you know, to the degree that you can make these these strides, not ignoring renewables, of course, pursuing them, you know, as fast as you can, but also uh, augmenting the transition from uh, oils to natural gas, from coal to oil, oil to natural gas, and then further along from natural gas to, to uh, more um, uh, net zero carbon uh, technologies. And now a word from our sponsors. We are so grateful that vaccinations for COVID are underway, but the pandemic is still here and it's going to be here a lot longer, folks. We are going to need those respirator face masks to provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirator masks means we're flooded with face and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the U.S., but the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to thenewdealshop.com now. Get verified, authenticated, FDA-authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. If something's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, consider our sponsor, BetterHelp. H-E-L-P, that's better help, which seeks to provide you with professional help with ease. It's not a crisis line. It's a professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. Start communicating in under 48 hours, connecting us in a safe, private, online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly, video, or phone sessions, whatever works for you. 
Anything you share is, of course, confidential. If you want to try a new therapist, it's simple and free to switch. BetterHelp says they are more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Start living a happier life today. You'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Go to betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal and receive 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sexyliberal. And now back to our show. What about nuclear? Well, right? I so let's ask a question. Doesn't France use a large percentage? Isn't that how they've, 70%. if my under, yeah. understanding is correct? So yes. I just wanted to throw that in there because obviously somebody is doing it who we often consider to the left of us on everything. Now I'll let you go. Damn. Yeah, well, it's 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 not the technology that I'm most acquainted with. And the, the issues for um, for nuclear waste still have a lot to be much like carbon capture, much of that has to be um, settled, and it's not right. in my mind. But the truth is that it's become a lot safer in smaller applications than it's being perceived right now. So there is a place for it. I'm not sure how much public support you're going to get for it after Fuku- right. Fukushima and um, uh, what was what was the Russian mess and and uh, Three Mile Island Chernobyl yeah. right? I mean this is this has destroyed kind of the public um, perception of nuclear and I know that the technology has gone a, a long way past you know you know the Russian disasters of Chernobyl and that kind of uh, stupidity, but um, again it's it's going to rely on government help and that means it's going to rely on public perception. So um, uh, will it have a role? I hope so, but I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too hopeful that it'll have a, a really big one. Right. Well, and you know, in general, I think uh, you can't the, the word nuclear. You can't separate that from nuclear war. And uh, when when we were all in the '80s and every movie was you know the day after tomorrow or stuff like that. I mean, people I think just have a heightened fear because they're more familiar with the word Three, nuclear than they are Mile with Island. We grew up natural with. gas. Right. I mean, yeah. you know. No doubt. I know, but I mean, I do. Again, like we're all trying to solve a problem here. We're all liberal, but we're trying to solve a problem that works within a regulated capitalist structure, you know, um, and that keeps the lights on (laughs) and And, and, prevents climate change. And a partisan political environment, right? Say that again? We lost you for a second. And and a partisan political environment, right? Well, that's the worst part, right? Is Is that, you know, and you can, if you want to speak a little bit about that, I don't know if you talk about that in your book, but, uh, you know, we've talked about that often on this show, like there, you know, because there's, there's not a big knife lobby, people aren't fighting over knives, but they are over guns, right? Any issue you can push into the partisan sort of, you know, uh, battles, which a lot of companies, excuse me, when they get scared that their product is going to be regulated or banned, tobacco did that too, you push it and you make it a partisan fight and then the media has to cover it as a political fight and not as the science says this or that. So, uh, uh, you know, that's having climate change pushed into that, which I'm sure the oil companies, Koch brother types were responsible for, makes it a much more difficult thing too. Cause now you got to get some people to leave their own tribe on the Republican side. Right. And, and support this. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you, you know, you're looking at a, at a stimulus bill. that has got 75% approval across the country. That's, being, uh, you know, being voted on straight down partisan in lines and and uh, and in in energy, you've got uh, far more partisan feelings in terms of how the states line up on these things. So, you know, to me, 
there's just no way you're going to get significant policy changes unless you can somehow bring the oil companies along and the oil states along. And that's really was the purpose of the book, um, that seeing the uh, political climate and seeing what the political climate is likely to be for the, you know, the next 10, 20, 30 years, that you need to find, you know, measures that are going to get approval from both sides. They're not easy to find, but, you know, I think I have found a few of them. And, uh, and I think that's where the practical effort should be concentrated. Well, tell us, what have you found? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, this, this transition towards natural gas is uh, one thing that should be able to be saleable to the green side because it's so much cleaner than oil. And one of the ways that I, I, I incentivize oil companies to stop pumping oil, or at least stopping so pumping so much oil, hmm. is with trying to use market techniques to raise the price of oil, and to raise the price of oil significantly higher, not just to $100 a barrel, but closer to $200 a barrel, and even higher. And what happens when you do that is, number one, the oil companies gain much more profitability with far less volume. So you get you need to have much less oil come out of the ground and get burned in order for oil companies to 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 be valuable and still be able to why, provide why, to shareholders. Devil's advocate, why wouldn't they drill even more if the price of oil triples? Well, you don't allow them to drill more. That's part of the thing. It does become regulated in far more interesting ways okay. than it is right now. And that's um and besides get if you can get the prices higher. Uh, what you can also do is you can make those sustainable fuels far more um, competitive, right, which they right. aren't really right now. Some of them are getting close, but still, That's true. That's true. oil at you know fifty or sixty dollars a barrel is a hell of a lot cheaper than than solar panels. Although we you know we'd like to think they're not, but they are. And uh, in this world that we live in, um, when uh, when someone has an appetite for more energy. You know, whether they love the planet or not, they're going to reach for what's cheapest. Actually, and can I just jump in just to explain to people uh, what Dan is doing is explaining a, a, a problem that we've had for years where basically every time there's cheap oil, it becomes so cheap that it becomes prohibitive to, uh, to for people to invest in solar and other, other alternative energies because it's just not worth it. Oil's too cheap. When oil becomes crazy expensive, then, hey, solar might be expensive. Wind might be expensive. But if it's half the price of oil, you literally make money going into solar. So it's it actually has had a huge impact on R&D and, and just development of alternative sources, what the price of oil actually is. And we've proved that in Europe because they made their their greatest strides in terms of changing their, you know, their electric grid to things that were, you know, more sustainable when oil prices were over $100 a barrel. And when oil prices dropped under $100 a barrel, and in fact, went down to the 50s and 40s, every government uh, had to slash their incentives for uh, solar panels and wind turbines. And that's hmm. a direct function of the price of oil. Right. Huh, interesting. Um, what, well, I had a question and now I've lost it. I mean, we, well, was oh, you know, more, no, I mean, actually, yeah. you know what I wanted to say, though? And I think yeah. this is a failure of sort of, you know, liberals, center left, whatever you want, you know, everyone who kind of understands energy markets, um, but, you know, is progressive and wants to prevent um, climate change. And which is, you know, what you just said there, Dan, about natural gas being 50 percent cleaner than oil. Like, I didn't know that. 
And I'm not somebody who, who, who ignores it. I like follow this stuff, right? I read about it. I try to, energy is an important part of, of my understanding, you know, the political economy, which I need to understand. So I, I wish that were more out there so people would understand that we can regulate how natural gas is extracted um, and make it make that process better. But we do have to realize that as a bridge, it's still much better than oil, which I think most people don't even get, or even yeah. better than coal from what you're saying, right? So I couldn't have told you that either. I didn't know that oil was cleaner than coal. So yeah. so my old skills in the transitive property of math tell me that if natural gas is cleaner than oil and oil is cleaner than coal, then natural gas is a hell of a lot cleaner than coal. Yes, you have all of that right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what maybe the first time anyone's ever said that to me, Dan. That's surprising because it's, you know, the natural gas um, industry, NGI, you know, the natural gas, um, the, the lobbying group for natural gas, has been spending hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, national advertising for years, trying to make people aware of that. I, I guess they failed because I, I see well, those commercials I wonder all the if time. If they, but I wonder if they've just decided like we can't convince anybody on the left, and they've ignored that that demographic so that people just don't know. And if you don't know, and people are telling you that everything is just as bad, that all these dirty energies are all the same. What do you know, right? So you just you, you go with it. I, I think I'm not that sure they, that they're. I'm not sure that they're. Um, they're. They're not. They're not getting the, the the left to listen, as opposed to the left doesn't doesn't want to hear it. You know. Well, that, that's. It's, I'm sure that's part of it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It always is when we get in our kind of. I think they tried real hard to make it a national message for everybody, <laughs> uh, because right. obviously they advocate for the fuel. That's how they make their money. Yep. Yeah. Well, do you, I don't know. Do you want to, should we segue a little bit to the Green New Deal? You've been listening to a free excerpt of the Unprecedented Podcast. To hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.